Here's another Outdoor America fishing tip presented by Wholesale Batteries, the right battery the first time. Here's the host of Outdoor America, Tommy Bench. Cold water is sometimes one of the hardest times to catch fish. I hear a lot of people talk about how in the world am I catching all these fish when the water is so cold. Well, I'm going to give you a really good tip this week on how to find one, especially if you're the type that loves floating down the river, even when it's cold. Even better if you like to fish. One thing that I can tell you is And welcome back, talking Chiefs and Ravens AFC Championship game. Once again, pinch me, I can't believe it. Jay Binkley, Nathan, producing the operation. Ron Kopp, lead analyst from ArrowheadPride.com. We have a texter says, uh, hey, Ron, hey, Kopp, what's a fan have to do to get a follow back and an opportunity to buy you a beer? And I said, hey, man, what's your handle, man? Send in your handle. I'll tell Ron. Yeah, let me know. Yeah, no, He's I'm sitting right here next I try, to us. I, I try to follow back. I, I I definitely don't follow back everybody, but uh, but hey, if I see you liking my tweets, I appreciate it. So I want the, I want you to follow. You follow any Baltimore games? I'm not Maybe. honestly. I I know Monday more Bills guys uh, than I do Ravens guys. I don't really know any uh, any Ravens guys. Oh, they're mad. Oh, the yeah, Jonas Schaefer is the guy that I go to in Baltimore. That's my go to. He, he covers the draft and everything else with the Ravens. Very even keeled. They're mad. What are they mad about? They're just upset about things that uh, they, they want to. <laughs> they want to cover everything on the way to the Super Bowl, man. Yeah, and they're not getting the chance. Because hey, the Chiefs ruined the Jags the first time around. They did because Jags and Bortles and all that, and Houston Texans. I mean, yeah. that team was an up and coming team. They had a twenty four point lead at Arrowhead, and Chiefs ended them. Ooh, good memories. Chiefs ended them. <laughs> how many? How did many teams the have the Chiefs? And yeah, exactly. It, there was a guy with in Buffalo that had a Buffalo Bills Super Bowl tattoo. It was crying after the game. First of all, yeah, don't on. get a tattoo of the Super Bowl championship when your team's in the divisional round. Yeah, right, dude. That is a wrong time to do. And then cry. I mean, it's, it makes your fan base. You either look do it bad, like man. way before, like way before the season, or when it actually happens. I don't think. Yeah, doing it right before in the middle of the season is just juju. That's just bad karma. There's You're a lot of asking. tears, just like in Philadelphia last year when they were all crying about the field. The Chiefs played on the same field, and not only that, both teams played in Arizona last year too. Yes. Oh yeah. So, so both teams had that opportunity. Let's go to the phone lines. Talk to my dude out in Southern uh, California. He's the, uh, I call him the leader of Southern California Chiefs fans. Reggie Nanaheim. What's up, Reg? Man, man, it's such a pleasure to speak to you gentlemen this evening, man. I, I just really wanted to say two quick things to you. First of all, I wanted to just pat you guys on the back. Uh, everybody over at 610 for all of the amazing coverage and, and, and analysis that you guys provide. Uh, I want to let you know, man, that that, that the job that you guys do, uh, don't you know, don't don't look at it as a, as a small thing because people like me, I purposely avoid national shows because of the local shows at six ten are so well done, so well thought out, great analysis, great personalities that I haven't listened to an ESPN or up up first or first down, whatever the hell them shows names are. I don't even listen to those guys. I listen strictly and only to 610 and 610 sports only. So I just wanted to get that out the way. Thanks, Reggie. Uh, the sec- yeah, man. Second thing I wanted to say, I just want to say this real quick. And I, I had texted you about this, Jay, uh, yesterday. The whole Taylor Swift thing, man, and I haven't had an opportunity to really express myself on this. I personally don't care about who anybody dates. I didn't care who Travis was dating the first time, right? But it is getting a little uh, – they put a little bit too much mustard on the hot dog by uh, uh, 
you know, attributing everything positive that happens with the team. What about the supermodels Ron and I date? I love those. And if you could shoot me one, I'd be I'd, or married, I'd be, Ron's married. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think where it starts to get a little bit overbearing is that, like, anything positive that happens, oh, it's because Taylor Swift was there. Like when Travis was playing bad, oh, because Taylor Swift was at the game. Then, and then recently with the whole swag surfing thing, uh, that idiot that wrote that article was like, oh, she's reviving this swag surf thing. It's like, no, she's not. She didn't revive. I was in college in Atlanta when the swag surf officially hit. How many years ago was that? Bro, 2008. Wow. Actually, and actually, the song came out in 07. Fort Valley University, which is right down the street from where I went to college at, was the first school they performed Swag Surf at. And then they came to Clark Atlanta University, Morehouse, and Spelman, and the whole HBCU circuit. You feel me? So, like, the Swag Surf has been a thing for almost 20 years. And, yeah. and, and, the Chiefs, and at Chiefs games, we were Swag Surfing at Chiefs games before she even came. No, so and now they, like, they're, they're, they're writing articles, and it's like, what are you? Do- this is what makes people hate. Like, we don't need nobody. We don't need any extra hate. But we're already well, good. You're already, you're already getting good. it, though, Reg. You're already getting it. Here's the thing. I mean, people can't control when when TV cameras show them. They just can't control it. They go watch the game to I enjoy agree. it, and they they can't control that. I mean, they're, they're not controlling those TV cameras. You know what I mean? I'm not blaming her, and I'm not blaming her. I'm not. No, but I'm with you though. Her thing. I'm with you on a couple things. Well, it, it did drive me nuts. I did bring it up early on when they showed, like, when when in attendance or whatever. It's like, Travis Kelsey's already a Hall of Famer <laughs> before he started dating her. Right. Like, literally already a Hall of Famer. Seriously. So. Like, it's, a, it's like, come on, yo. Like, that, but that, it's all that's fun. all I wanted to say. All right, Reggie. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and do y'all thing, man. Do y'all thing. All right. It's all, it's Thanks, all fun. Reggie. And she didn't control, you know, who shows her or whatever. I know it's, it's driving other fan bases nuts, but the NFL's loving it because they're uh, diving in the ratings and everything else. The only... The only part, first of all, guys' private lives are private lives, but 100%. But the only thing that the only thing that I, was driving me nuts was the whole Travis Kelsey was already a Hall of Famer like before he started dating her. I mean, let's yeah. not forget that. Well, hey, he wasn't a pop culture Hall of Famer yet. No, no not yet. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, I do think it is funny when yeah, it gets it gets talked about with his play on the field at all, like it matters. Well, at you're all. 34 years old. Things are gonna. Yeah, and he, and he got injured two days before the week one game and, and has probably had to play through that to an extent all season um, or at least for the for majority of the season. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Travis is is mostly the reason, you know, maybe he's not he, like like you've mentioned, he's had he's still having a great year. But maybe the reason he hasn't had as, as good of a year as, as other times is really just because the rest of the offense isn't as good and isn't as as better as good at taking away attention from him. And you know it's 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 well, it it's proved hard. to be viable without Tyree Kill, and that was and that was a nice combination when both of them were here, and all that pressure. Well, he always had pressure on him, so I'll never forget that to 2013 uh, when they beat Houston, and then they go to 15. New England or f- 15. yeah, 15, yeah. Was New England even 15? Yeah, New England. The 16, yeah, 16. January yeah, because at 13 yeah. they lost the Colts. Yes. They lost the Colts. That say they beat the Texans in 15. Then they go to New England, and Belichick took him out. And we've talked about the postseason numbers have gone way up since then. But you're going to have years, and people, you know, it's a common question. They slowed down or whatever. First of all, he's 34. It's natural. But the other thing is, he had 93 catches this year. Right. And he was only behind George Kittle 36 yards. 
yeah. for the most by a tight end. He Travis did lead all tight ends in yards per game at 65 yards per game. So that was there, and he had 93 catches. If that slowed down, that's fine. But with all that extra attention he got, right, the double and triple teams, the things that he got, and I'll remind people, he's one of uh, four human beings that have eight straight years of catching at least 80 passes. Yeah, that's a crazy The other stat. names are Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison, uh, Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, and then Torrey Holt. Yeah, that's it. Well, it's the list. And and uh, one of the most impressive things about Travis Kelsey's career is his longevity and his consistency in terms of not getting hurt, you know, playing healthy. You know, hey, if he does get – he did get banged up a little bit this year. I think you do need to give uh, – you know, we need, need to give – that credit um, or that respect because, you know, there's a yeah, chance he, that, and he missed the game. So he's 36 yards shy it, and that's it, one less game than George. Exactly. And Hey, let's say, you know, next year he's, he, he plays healthier. He plays fresher. He plays in an offense with more playmakers. He could not have the same volume, but maybe even turn up his efficiency. There's, there's, there's a, a long way to go for, for 87. In my opinion, we'll take a time out. We come back. I want to take a look at uh, this rushing game for Baltimore. And does it concern you? Uh, with the Chiefs' run defense. It is the one Achilles heel. They've been able to do it without J.K. Dobbins. But this running game from Baltimore, can it give the Chiefs fits or not? We'll discuss that next. Hey, welcome back. Jay Binkley, Nate producing the operation. Ron Cop in studio with us. Man, it's good here in Vern. Great here in Vern. Means baseball is right around the corner. Spring training. It's kind of funny how it's uh, cyclical. It's like you wait on it, wait on it, wait on it. Because it used to be a big deal, you know, in January going down to the, uh, it was right before the Super Bowl usually, the uh, Bartle Hall and Fan Fest for the yes. Royals. Now they do it out at the stadium. But I'll never forget, like, doing all the shows at Uncle D's through training camp and everything. It was, uh, it was always, it was always Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. And they hadn't won a Super Bowl yet. You know, we're talking back in 12 and 13 and 14 and all that. Then all of a sudden the Royals start taking some attention for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Right, because people have always cared like who the backup punter is going to be for the Chiefs. I mean, it's always been Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs. It's a, it's a football town at heart, and I yes. will argue that till the end. It did change. You can tell to baseball there for a bit in fourteen and fifteen, and the Chiefs remember when they started off so bad at one and five, and they kind of went under the radar because the Royals were so good. The Chiefs kind of benefited for that, but uh, and it flipped. It's uh, back to football, football, football in this town, which is just fine with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I, I like them both, though. I get excited about baseball, but man, I mean, I just love some football. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, uh, I will say when the K's rocking, you know, on a on a, on a good summer night, oh, there, it is good summer night. It's, it's hard beer. to beat that. I will say. Um, I I can still I still watch those highlights from 14 and 15, and, and oh. it still gets me, man. It's, oh. But it was, it was too it was too a manager and a coach that understood their players, and. You know, old school guys. Ned Yost was an old school guy, but he was able to relate to the younger school. You know, you hey, play whatever like- music you wanted to do, whatever you want to do, but there were certain expectations, and you were able to be who you were. Yeah. But you played. You came to play. That sounds like another great and, coach in this city. And yeah. really, hey, you do whatever you got to do. I mean, to to an extent. I mean, he didn't like all the TV stuff and all this. I mean, Andy, Andy seems, you know, happy-go-lucky guy, but there is a lot of discipline with oh, Andy yeah. Reid as well. Oh, I imagine. Yeah. I mean, but he's got the respect. Yeah. He had the respect the minute he took over. Well, I, I think, you know, I, I think Andy, you know, at his age, I think he, he can lean on, you know, other guys to maybe do the discipline stuff. And and we've talked about it all year. That's something that I think he's missing a little bit. The enemy, uh, you know, just a little bit. You know, I think he maybe leaned on the enemy to be. That's the number one his, thing. When people ask me, do you miss the enemy all throughout the season? Yeah. That was a common theme. It was the discipline. Yeah, Andy he, probably he would chew your sick off. him on somebody, you know. I mean, hey, if, if someone really needs to get chewed off for not running the route correctly, for you know, not you know, 
blocking correctly, you know, for kind of just being lackadaisical in their alignment, you know, getting too many penalties. Yeah. So I, I remember the there. first practice back in 2013 where Bienemy was here barking, man. <laughs> He's running backs coach at this point, just barking at uh, at the players like who's it's uh, Bienemy down there. Yeah. Right. And you could tell they, they that was the disciplinary because you didn't care who you were, what you were, what you accomplished, what round you were drafted in. He was going to let you know how you feel. That's the part I think the X's and O's. Yeah, I mean maybe. Right. I mean they're all they're all smart, brilliant guys when it comes to football. But that the disciplinary stuff, being me had that. Well, and he had it with Mahomes too. I mean that's why they had those. He didn't care you were those fits on the sideline. We saw you know you'd see him on the broadcast sometimes where you know I you're, they're walking into the locker room and they're bickering at each other. It's because they're both competitive and and you know but the enemy was the one who called Mahomes a competitive prick at one point, right? You know and and you know I think he said that as a compliment and I think they're both super oh, yeah. competitive and. And I think I think there is something to Mahomes needing that a little bit, even though hey, these last two games he he surely you know we don't we're not talking about that now. But there's not so. much you can honestly. There's nobody really you can bring in, you know, because he's won two rings, he's got two Super Bowl MVPs. I mean, it, it takes some uh, fortitude to be able to tell him what to do. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, you just don't have that uh, all around. That's interesting, but they're interesting CEOs of. of of what they do when Andy Reid and when Ned Yost took that team that was oh, yeah. not the highest payroll or whatever. And what Andy Reid's doing to have success because, you know, when Coach of the Year comes out, like he's never even up there remotely. He's built himself up to where it doesn't matter anymore. Even though Belichick's won like three of them. What they basically say is you have to suck and then be good. And he's just always good. Yeah, exactly. And that's a detriment. The expectation is never that low. I don't think that's fair because I think it's tougher to do what he's doing than to always be good because – Remember when the Rams won the Super Bowl? They fell off the the wagon there, man, and weren't good. Yes, they got back to the postseason this year. What happened to the Bucks since they beat the Chiefs? And Bruce Arians talking all his junk. <laughs> Are they going to run it back and all this? But the Chiefs have just been consistent. Six straight, second longest feat ever. That is not easy to do. When you're changing your personnel like that and you get different coaches you're acclimating in, to be consistently good is just as tough as having a bad year like Stefanski. They mean good, they mean bad, they mean good. Well, I mean, especially when when you do have this level of consistent success, every other team in the conference is literally building their team to beat you. I mean, we have seen it. I mean, that's that's partly why, you know, the 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 Bills and Ravens and, and the way they build their defensive lines, right? Getting a bunch of guys so they can get pressure on Mahomes or, you know, I, I just the AFC West teams, right? You know, uh, trying to get firepower in the Russell Wilson trade or, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, and drafting a receiver in the first round. All these teams are trying to beat the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are still just rolling through the AFC. I mean, that, it's it is, hard to say. It's amazing. Do. They're all playing with the same salary cap. Yeah, it's all the right. same. It's not baseball. It's all the same. You just got to be smarter. It's where the front office comes into. You got to be smarter. You got to be fiscally smarter than everybody else. And if you pay your quarterback, you better draft well. Because when Holmes won his last ring, he took up more salary cap space than any winning quarterback in NFL history. Yeah. No one's taking over seventeen percent of the cap like he did, and no quarterback. But that means if you're going to pay your quarterback, and again, I wait for it. Like Jalen Hurts got his money, right? Like how good are you going to be when you pay your quarterback? So yeah. I'm waiting on Justin Herbert too. And Lamar Jackson, we'll see. Yeah. Obviously, it's still a good team even though he paid Lamar Jackson. But you got to be good. Like if you're going to pay your quarterback all that money, which they demand now, you're still going to be good. Bengals, what's going to happen now? Yeah, You right? pay Joe Burrow, does everything right. else kind of fall off? You have to prove to be a good football team, and you do that through the draft and player development because once you put all that uh, all that money to your QB – you better find a way to win. 
and the Chiefs have. Well, you have to pick and choose which positions to invest heavily in, and and not yeah, and not just get by with the draft pick or the, that's the, what the Chiefs veteran. Did, right? did. Yeah, exactly. The Chiefs they pay offensive tackle, right? They want to make sure that's a that's a solid position. You know, they pay you know a elite pass rusher, whether that was Chris Jones now, whether that was Frank Clark at one point. They thought you know an elite pass rusher. You know, now we're gonna see if they pay corner, right? Legarius need coming up. Uh, we're going to see if they pay corner, but you know, I think for the most part, they've done a good job, you know, and I think, I think the interior offensive line is one thing where we may not see them give a big guard contract again. I feel like that's one position, you know, they may kind of go for future and Hey, let's just do the rookie deals. Maybe Trey Smith will get a deal, but, uh, but all that, you know, but you have Creed Humphrey in that same year. It'll be interesting to see what they do from here. Cause they have guys like Nick Bolton, the linebacker coming up. Is that a position you want to pay a lot to, um, you know, a, a guard again, you know, with Trey Smith. So I think, I think there's some interesting things to, to, to coming up contract wise to see if they continue to pick and choose the right position. So yeah, we'll talk in. about that sneed issue there. It's a, it's kind of like the Colts when Manning was there in the heyday of what they were when again, few, uh, few eggs in one basket is yeah. what they had they paid Marvin Harrison, paid Reggie Wayne, paid Peyton Manning. Right. Um, didn't exactly pay a lot of other people. Edger and James was the all time living rusher. Yeah. And they said, okay, you're getting told we can't afford this. He leaves. They bring in Joseph Adai in the draft, and they win a, they Super, win a Bowl. Super Bowl <laughs> with Joseph Adai. Dan and KCK, what's up, my man? Hey, Bink, how you doing? Like I texted you tonight. I didn't know your team calls. My brother John, he heard me on the post game in Tupelo, Mississippi, and he said that hey. I did a pretty good job. Yeah, but he said I need to slow down when I talk to you. Ah, you're just excited, man. You're just excited, Dan. Yeah, I just like him. And he asked me how long I've been talking to you. It's been seven years, hasn't it, Bink? It's been a long time, Dan. It's been a long time. Oh, yeah. We, we talked a lot about we One night I talked to you about the Chiefs history, about Mike Garrett and everything. Oh, yeah, I met Ed Buddy uh, a long time ago at uh, Snow Creek. Uh, I used the MC. I know he, he, he got the opening claim for it. It was in 1995, so I met Ed Buddy. <laughs> Mike Garrett, man, Mike Garrett, you know, legend. He's sixty-five toss power trap. He still resides in Kansas City. He's the one that hired it's gonna Pete pop Carroll. wide open. He's the reason OJ Simpson went to USC. He won a Heisman Trophy. Mike Garrett did. He oftentimes still gives it out. Yeah. He's the first running back in NFL history to have a thousand yards of two different teams. He did it oh, with the cool. Chiefs and the Chargers. But yeah, Mike Garrett. Two one. An absolute uh uh, legend there. We'll take a timeout. I do want to readdress that luxurious need as far as what you consider the importance uh, for bringing back Jones or Sneed. Discuss it next. Chiefs and Ravens, 2 o'clock in Baltimore. AFC title game once again. Jay Binkley. Nathan producing the operation, Ron Kopp, in studio with us here from arrowheadpride.com. And uh, we're pushing this this draft thing back, and we'll get into it. So we get the uh, Senior Bowl coming up here. What, February 3rd? Sounds right. February 3rd and February 1st, we have the East-West uh, East East Shrine game. Yeah, next week. So, uh, and then we have the uh, Combine coming up and everything else. But, you know what? We table it. We table it. Well, actually, I don't because we're yeah, doing zero, no, and I do the character concerns <laughs> each and every week, and we just put a new one out. By the way, Mel Kiper, Mel Kiper's uh, mock came out today too. He had seven receivers in the first round, so I'm not joking about the quality receivers coming out for the Chiefs. And who knows if they go out and get like a T. Higgins or Pittman or Mike Evans or anybody like this in free agency, because the draft's going to yield some talent at wide receiver. They're going to be able to get somebody really good and pair them with Rasheed Rice, but there are decisions to be made. Chris yeah. Jones, a big decision. LeJerry Sneed's a big decision. Yeah. LeJerry Sneed's just turned 27 years old. 
It was just his birthday. Chris Jones, you know, it's over the 30 thing that you're going to be dealing with. Legere Sneed's still in that prime. I'm not a huge second contract guy, but I am with Sneed. Yeah. Because he, epit- he epitomizes everything this defense is about. Versatility, guys that can play inside, outside, physicality from the secondary position, a guy that can get to the quarterback if asked to be. But he brings toughness. And number one receivers, he's not all pro, he's not pro bowl, but if you did a, a survey with just the number one receivers, who was the toughest? Probably Sneed. Probably Sneed. He shut down everybody. And McDuffie was on there, too. It was a great tandem. Yeah, they great, both are, really. Great Batman and Robin combination between them both because they both messed with Tyreek Hill. Whether Trent McDuffie was jamming him down or tackling him down to the ground, Legere Sneed doing his thing. But you watch Sneed, he does get penalized a lot, but I don't care because he'll constantly let you know he's there. He'll yeah. bump in the uh, – he'll keep you pushed down just a couple extra seconds. He bullies you, man, and they need that. Like, he brings an attitude. Yeah. He's the guy that keeps you up at night if you're number one receiver, knowing you have to deal with luxurious need. And that, that's very vitally important for teams that like to pass the ball, and that's what the NFL, except for the Ravens, are passing offenses. Well, he and really, even they are, too. The Ravens could throw it, too, anywhere in the well, world, but they run the hell out of the ball. But of course. Number one receivers do not like the Chiefs secondary. Right, because Snead doesn't take it as, uh, you know, I need to make a play here and there. Or I need to, you know, maybe, uh, you know, limit, you know, uh, what he – Snead goes into it as a, con, a complete game from first quarter to fourth quarter, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a chess match, right? Like, yeah, he's going to be physical and maybe get a flag here or there. But like you just said, it's to let you feel him. And, and I, I remember in the Vikings game earlier this year – Justin Jefferson, Sneed was really messing with him. What happens when he finally gets open on one after getting through physical coverage? He drops it because he's dealing with Sneed's physical coverage. He's dealing with, you know, the constant, you know, uh, press at the he's line. He's a pain in the butt. He, exactly. And, you know, that all is great. And that, I mean that in a good way. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and on defense, yeah, you want to be a pain in the butt. And so, you know, that, it's, it's great we've seen him be this outside corner, this shutdown corner this year. But you touched on it. The, one of the first things you said is that his versatility, we've seen him be a slot playmaker, a blitzer, a, a guy that can do a lot more than what he's done this season. That's why you pay him because he's still in his athletic prime. He, he's going into his athletic prime. We still maybe even haven't seen the best of Snead. There's a chance. I mean, this is only his first year being a true perimeter outside cornerback. If he continues to build on that while also having the playmaking ability, you're talking about a guy that is well worth, you know, one of the higher paid cornerback contracts because he's way more than a cornerback if the Chiefs need to utilize them that way in the future, they may, right. There might be in the future defensives, you know, when there's not as much talent around him, they may need to move him around more. They may need to use him more as like they used to in the slot as a blitzer, but right now they don't need to. And you're seeing that he can be an elite player without needing to kind of use all of his skills, which I think is amazing in his influence on Trent McDuffie. Right. And Allowing him to guys be the playmaker. I mean, that's a guy. I mean, is that somebody that you would seriously sit down and think about? And when you think about, you know, do we bring in a free agent or not? Or do we need to pay Sneed? Chris Jones, his 30th birthday is in July. And Sneed just turned 27. Is that someone you strongly consider? Because I look at the value of what he brings to your defense. The ability to shut down so you don't have that Jamar Chase situation like the Chiefs did a few years ago where one guy just completely dominates you. It's not going to happen with these cats. Yeah. And that's important. Well, the thing with McDuffie, too, is that he is a really good cover corner, but having Snee allows him to be the playmaker in terms of the the blitzing and the, and coming up at the line of scrimmage. Man, that's something that, you know, I was so impressed with Snee in early in his career, but McDuffie is almost even more impressive, maybe because he's not as big. He's as got Snead. three sacks. He's, he, maybe it's because he looks more like a traditional corner where he's, he, he's not the biggest guy. He's kind of a, a smaller, thinner 
frame, but and he's not the longest arms. Like Snead has long arms, and he just looks like a you know kind of a, a bigger you know more intimidating player. But man, McDuffie flies downhill, and he is he makes great tackles. He's, Five force fumbles. Yeah, oh yeah, that's the big thing. I mean, the amount of force fumbles he had this year was ridiculous. He had the one against Tyreek in Germany. Um, just puts his helmet on the ball, like just makes perfect form tackles, and so that's where those two are so good together. They can play off each other so well. And McDuffie, you have for another three years after this year under a rookie contract. Take advantage of that by signing Snead. And by the time Snead's deal is probably up, McDuffie's getting ready to to be paid. So I think that kind of works out pretty well. They do think they're going to load up on offensive skill positions. Yeah, 100%. It's it's time for that. But having this secondary like this, and what's the influence of Snead on these defensive backs? Because they all love him, man. I mean, they were singing his praises left and right. When he uh, when he didn't uh, make all pro or pro bowl. Well, it makes a safety's life easier when, you know, I mean, if you're covering that side of the field, you can kind of cheat over a little and, and, and play a little closer to the middle because, you know, Sneed's just locking that guy down and not allowing him, you know, to, to get much. So, I mean, he's making everyone's life easier by, by doing what he's doing. He's got four sacks in his career, three this year, and he had one last year, did Sneed. And the bottom line is you look at this defensive backs for the Kansas City Chiefs and just kind of defensive back sacks. And it's a big part of what uh, Spagnuolo is all about. It's about these defensive backs getting back there and getting quarterback. Yeah, like Shamari Connor. It, it's the biggest reason. Yeah, Shamari Connor led Virginia Tech in sacks a couple of years ago. And they absolutely love that. But you just look at what this team has done. And a lot of it is predicated on finding a way. It's not all coming from the ends or the outside. Heck no. The, the edge uh, with Spagnuolo. It's coming from all different directions. And when you look at sacks, uh, from defensive backs this year, Justin Reed, who I think has had a great year, yes. three sacks. Justin or uh, Trey McDuffie, three sacks. Uh, Jalen Watson, two sacks. Uh, Mike Edwards got back there for a sack as well this year, as far as defensive backs are concerned. And that stuff's important, man. They're not using Jerry Sneed in that role as much as they have in the past. I mean, he's been that guy, and he can be that guy. They just have relied on others. Well, it makes me think, honestly, that uh, Sneed's skill set in that way is maybe something that I thought, man, Sneed's really good at this. Or maybe it's a thing that the Chiefs just teach very well and make all of their DBs very good blitzers because Connor seems to be a very good blitzer uh, all of a sudden um, in his rookie year, even though that is something he did really well at Virginia Tech. So you could say maybe that's something he was kind of coming in with. But all these guys, um, and uh, you know, I, I think all of them have been able to do it because the Chiefs are so unpredictable with their coverages right you know they they are able to all right we're gonna you know look like we're in too high playing zone boom all of a sudden we're in one high playing man coverage and we got a blitzer coming or we're gonna threaten the line we're gonna all come up to the line and then boom we're bailing out and playing another coverage they're so unpredictable and it's because all these players can do so many different things they can cover they can blitz they can make tackles against the run all these dbs are versatile all of them and you know, I it, it's starting to make me think: Is it Veach getting this this talent and and getting all these guys versatile, or is it because they're just being coached up so so well? It's what to uh, be these guys. It's what it's uh, a little of both, right? Mac, if you show, uh, I remember in the off season, Veach was on there and talking about Andy Reid loving versatility, which has always been that way with the offensive line. Yes, they love yeah. it when you can snap on the and line, play guard. Yeah. Love, love you can do things like that, and this is kind of an mo of who and what they are you know, the getting this defensive backs and what they're doing for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll take a timeout. I did mention the Baltimore Ravens. They're 21st with the pass this year in the NFL, but they're number one with the run. Ooh. How will the Chiefs stack up against the Ravens running game next? 
And welcome back. Talking Chiefs and Ravens. Ron, you pointed something out uh, from X earlier about Mahomes versus the number one scoring defense. And that record was, this is back from 2022, but hadn't had a chance to play him this year. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I couldn't, yeah, I, I couldn't find, uh, you know, a more updated version of this stat. But we all know Mahomes is really good against number one scoring defenses. This actually, if you guys remember last year, they played the Bucks on the road, beat them pretty bad, put up 41 points on them. They were the number one scoring defense at that point. And so they were yet to play the Niners, who they put up 44 points on, who were the number one scoring yards, defense. Yeah. So this was before that. And Mahomes was six and one. So, no, so he's eight seven, and one. seven and one. Or seven and one. Because yeah, the, the Bucks game happened in this yeah. point. Okay. Thirty one points per game. So you can add the forty four points into that increases. And the passing yards per game was three hundred twenty two. And I'm looking that he had four hundred seventeen against the Niners. You can increase that a little bit. Mahomes eats on number one scoring defenses. And I really do think there's something too. It's, you know, like we talked about earlier with the road team, you know, the underdog team kind of just stepping up to the plate. I think there is something too, just, just knowing he's going against the number one defense and it turns him up another level. He, he likes that stuff. And Isaac deer that does the, uh, the post road post games, uh, with this here with me here on six ten. He, he grabbed these for me, uh, for the post game, 12, nine, 2018 chiefs win 27, 24 Mahomes 35, 53, 377. Uh, 9-22-2019, Chiefs win 33-28 over the Ravens. This is Mahomes versus Lamar. Mm-hmm. 374 yards for Mahomes. 9-28-2020, Chiefs win. Mahomes, 385 yards. Uh, four touchdowns. He's got, what, 12 touchdowns in, that, in that, those four games. And then the one he lost at one point to the Ravens where they went to throw a Super Bowl parade for beating them in the regular season. Uh, 343 yards. So he averages 369 yards passing against the Ravens in his career. So that was his one loss. It's three and one. Yeah. That one loss he had was that one point loss. And it was the Clyde, the Clyde fumble. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yes, exactly. It was, it was one fumble. It was one loss. Cause if you remember that game, I mean, the offense was just unstoppable for the first three and a half quarter or no first two and a half quarters. And then all of a sudden it just went dead in the middle of the third quarter but they had like 38 points or something. Well, the one thing we've seen, the Ravens, obviously, 21 with a pass, but number one against the, with with the run. Yes. J.K. Dobbins was uh, hurt after, what, just eight carries of this season in game one, but they've still found a way to lead the NFL. A couple years ago, they set the NFL record for most rushing yards for a team ever, passing the Patriots. But they're very good at running, and we've seen teams this ball control. Now, the Bills had the ball almost a full quarter longer than the Chiefs. Yeah, the right. The Chiefs just maximized their possessions. I mean, they were they punted once. Yeah. Of course, there was that fumble involved there. They should have had another touchdown, but they were scoring at will. Either field goals or touchdowns, the Chiefs were maximizing their possessions. Will the Ravens play small ball and try to run the football? Because the Chiefs are. That is, their one Achilles heel is against the run. Because Buffalo think, still ran very successfully against them. Right, and I think Baltimore should try a similar game plan in terms of trusting the run game, in terms of using it to keep them out of pressure situations, You know, staying ahead of the sticks. The thing with Baltimore that the Buffalo didn't do is Baltimore can get more explosive runs in my opinion, because of Lamar Jackson. That was the one thing about the bills game. They had no explosive plays, zero plays that gained more than 20 yards. The bills did. They, they had a lot of pace to their run game, but James cook was never able to break one of those. And, and I'm not saying Gus Edwards and justice Hill are, are going to be breaking them any more than James cook is, but Lamar is a much more, and, and, you know, don't take this in a derogatory way, but it's, it's, he's a running back when he has the ball in his hands. He's not a quarterback anymore. Josh Allen is still a quarterback when he's running around with the ball, even though he's hard to tackle, he's still running upright. He's still kind of, you know, he's kind of looking where he's going. He's kind of, 
Nate Tice of the Athletic always compares him to an ostrich, and I find that hilarious. But he he really is just kind of a just kind of running around. You just got to trip him up a little bit, you know. Lamar Jackson is truly a running back. Is truly a a a, a downhill north south. You know, going to cut up field, speed cuts, that kind of thing. When he is taking those read option plays, a lot of time that comes in the red zone, a lot of time that comes in short yardage situation, they don't just they don't do it as much as they used to, right? The quarterback run game in Baltimore, they've gotten a, a modern offense. Well, he had 1,200 yards rushing in 2019. That set the NFL record, 1,206 right. in the, yards. In that Greg Roman offense, I mean, where they is, really, it was a call. Those are sick numbers. And, and he, he, he's a great all-around quarterback, and I think he was drafted yeah. way too low at 32. Well, now, he and Josh Allen were the only good quarterbacks in that first round, but other ones were picked ahead of him. Right, but now they've used that kind of the foundation of that run game they had then, and now they've brought Todd Monken in, that former Georgia OC, and he has made them a true NFL offense where they're passing you know, in kind of neutral situations more. They kind of look like a true spread offense, but they still have that run capability. They still are one of the best run games in the NFL. ESPN has them as the fifth as fifth in run, bla- run blocking win rate as a, as a unit. The Bills were sixth. So that tells you that they are similarly um, able to maybe, uh, you know, come off the line and kind of dominate like, like the Bills were able to against the Chiefs. And that's why I would like to see, Jay, and, and I'm curious what you think, but I would like to see the Chiefs bring Neil Farrell from the inactives. Like, let him get some time. He was a he showed out in the Chargers game. He's a big body. They've been using Pinnell with uh, Naughty out. Yeah, and but use but use Farrell as well. Get get Dickerson off the field against a heavy run team. I apologize for Dickerson if, if you're listening, but you know I appreciate your effort this season, but not a big enough body for me in the interior line when you're missing Naughty. You need big, beefy. Uh, space eating guys, especially against the Ravens, because they do a lot of down down scheme run game. You know, they're going to, you know, need their linebacker. You know, the chiefs need their linebackers to stay free, right. To keep blocks off of them. You need guys that are going to eat space. That's Mike Pinnell, but that's also Neil Farrell. So that's one little minor adjustment. I want them to make this week is bring him up instead of Dickerson. We'll talk about the AFC West real quick with you, Ron talking to Ron complete analyst, arrowhead pride.com. Um, eight straight division titles. It's been well documented what this division did as far as spending money. When when the Raiders went out there and brought in Devontae Adams, you yeah. reset the uh, wide receiver market two years ago. They bring in Chandler Jones. That hasn't worked. Nothing's worked out for the Raiders. The quarterback situation, Jimmy Garoppolo, you name it. Russell Wilson in the, in the, the cap hell, he's going to put the Broncos in. Uh, the Chargers bringing in uh, J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. <laughs> and all this to chase the Chiefs. And what you have is a situation where the Broncos went out and you know, and to me, they're like a board game where you're playing a board game and you have to go back to the start because <laughs> that's where they have to go with the new quarterback. Let's go all the way back to the starting blocks. Now, Jim Harbaugh uh, is in talks. I mean, yeah. he had a second interview. It looks like Jim Harbaugh could be coming to the AFC West, which I think does make things interesting. It really does because you pair Herbert with him. He needs that offensive mind. No defensive coaches. Forget about Belichick and all this. He needs an offensive mind, the head coach. But then the Raiders – you know, Aiden O'Connell ain't it. You know, he just ain't it. No. Is he better than what they have? Yeah, but he ain't it. <laughs> it's a good team, but they, Antonio Pierce needs something else there. So, basically what I'm saying is all these teams spend all this money and this draft capital and everything chasing the Chiefs, and the Chiefs put them in this hole. Like, the Chiefs are the reason that Denver was stuck with Russell Wilson. Right. Chiefs are the reason Brandon Staley's fired with the Chargers. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And, and yeah. Josh McDaniels fired. They can't beat the Chiefs, and they can't beat Andy Reid. They can't win this division. The Chiefs have totally killed the other opponents in this division. 
Well, that's the thing is, is you're right. But I, I do think Denver, for one, did a good job with, with the best they could with getting Sean Payton. Because I do think Sean Payton is going to have that team. I mean, this year, you saw them. They were competitive. They got to a point where they were in the AFC playoff picture with Russell Wilson as but the quarterback. But now it's restart button. Oh, yeah. But you have the right coach, I think, to, to make that reset. So, you know, Denver is in a good spot, in my opinion, moving forward, just in terms of the head coach. I think you could make the same argument about the Chargers, right? Because if Jim Harbaugh does become their coach, because the only time we've seen Jim Harbaugh in the NFL, that guy turned around that Niners team that he, that he took over built from the trenches. And also they were one of the most dominant NFL teams, you know, week to week. They just never had that quarterback. They have Justin, he has Justin Herbert now in LA, but I, I do think we don't know if Justin Herbert is really that guy until he gets in this situation because uh, you know, he hasn't really had, he's had one playoff game and he built a 27, nothing lead and, and they blew it. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I, we don't know. I, I think Harbaugh gets his quarterback if he goes to LA and then all he has to worry about is building through the trenches, building that defense up, you know, and, and man, that could be a scary team in LA. So I do think the Broncos and chargers are both kind of set up at the, if chargers do get Harbaugh, they, they both are set up for the future, but it may still not be in 2024. And the one team that uh, I was asked before the season started, which, which team do you kind of worrying about here? Which who's going to be improved the most Baltimore did make the postseason last year, but it, you know that it, once healthy, this team is going to be yeah, exactly where right. they're at. I think tier one, you can't take the Chiefs off of it because you got to kick them off the hill. It's been the sixth straight AFC title. They belong in tier one. Now, who's going to be the other tier? I don't think Buffalo, we can say tier one anymore. I had them this year in tier one still. Next year, we put the Bengals back there with Joe Burrow, healthy Joe Burrow. The Ravens stay there. I think the Ravens deserve to stay in that first yeah. tier. Yeah. No, the thing about the Bengals. Does anybody else join it? Does, does C.J. Stroud take the Texans to the next level? Because I love what Domenico Ryan's is doing. You hinted at the Bengals uh, earlier that they have a lot of turnover coming this offseason. And that's one thing. They're already losing their offensive coordinator. Well, yeah, right. Good call. But their defense, losing a lot of players. And their defense wasn't even that good this year. Their defense actually became one, was actually statistically one of the worst in the NFL. So it's not like you're just saying, hey, you know, next year Burrow's back. They have a, a good team around him ready to roll. They had a bad defense. This year, so the Bengals are. It's an interesting thing there too. I, I'm, I'm, I would say the Chiefs are kind of just in a tier by themselves with the Ravens. Um, I should say, I guess, and and this week will kind of confirm that. Yeah, but I think they're not going anywhere. I mean, it seems the team's going to be loaded for years to come. And hey, I love Josh Allen and Buffalo and all that great quarterback, and it's going to be fine. But they're going to have to rebuild around him. Well, and they barely made the playoffs this year. <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to be the second seed or not in it at all. They were one loss. Yeah, they were crazy. one loss away. Exactly. Thanks, Kadarius Tony. That's why Buffalo <laughs> even got in here. Yeah, no, that's the thing. The Bills, as as much as they got hot to the end of the season, they barely got in. And, you know, there's a lot of things that could go wrong, um, you know, with, with, with their turnover and, and their personnel. Their defensive personnel turnover is going to be crazy. They, they are losing so many big names from their, from their team in the offseason this year. Is Stephon Diggs going to be a happy camper all offseason? You know, I would bet probably not, um, just uh, on odds, on probability, right? So The uh, Chiefs' conference record was 9-3. and three. The uh, Ravens was 8-4. and four. The Chiefs Ooh. were two losses behind the Ravens. Kadarius Tony gave the game to the Lions, but it uh, dropped that ball that went in Brian Branch's hand for the pick Ugh. six. And then the offsides. I mean, that's two wins right there, brother. Could have been the Arrowhead invitation all over again. Could have been six years straight. Could have been. What do you think, Nathan? Seventh straight next year? No reason to believe otherwise. <laughs> like you guys it really is. It's, it's hard I, not who, to. I mean, name, name the competitor. I'm. You're sitting there waiting. It's a new one every year, and yeah. they turn them away every year. It may never come.
Remember the remember the Ryan Tannehill Titans? Oh yeah. They're long gone. Ron, always enjoy you coming in, man. <laughs> Look forward to talking. Maybe, yes, some, sir. Thank maybe you, some Super Bowl with you and definitely some NFL draft. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thanks to Jonas Schaefer from Baltimore. Thank you, Nathan, man. It's fun working with you, Thank brother. You. It was a pleasure, man. We'll do it again soon. All right, my man. Take care, everybody. Good night, Kansas City.